We've got a whole host of interviews here this week. Um, but first up, we've got Bang O, oh, director of the encore season of The Yellow Wave, uh, which is being performed at the Butterfly Club Tuesday to Sunday, 26th of April to 8th of May this year. So, Bang, hello. Hello. How are you today? <laughs> Very well, thank you. Excellent. Um, so this is the encore season, so it's been on before. Yes, we were part of the inaugural Poppy Seat Festival of Independent Theatre last year. Uh, and where was that? It was also on at the Butterfly Club. Oh, but okay. The uh, Poppy Seat Festival runs across four different venues, and mm-hmm. uh, they're doing it again this year. Oh, so is this part of the festival this year, or is it just an independent uh, It was part of the festival last year. We had a really successful first season, and we're seeking to get the work out on the road, and so uh, we brought it back for return season. Excellent. And it's been well received? Yes, it has. Excellent. How was it? Um, so you directed it, but the, the novel itself that the production is based on, it's actually a late 19th century novel. How, how was the adaptation process? Uh, it's been quite painstaking. About five to six years ago, I stumbled across a novel called The Yellow Wave, subtitled A Romance of the Asiatic Invasion of Australia in the State Library catalogue. Now, being a Asian-Australian director, I think the title really intrigued me. So we uh, set off on a process of tracking down a copy of the book, grabbing a read, and uh, after some initial development development work at TheatreWorks as part of their In the Works program about a year later, uh, we lay fellow for a little bit because uh, the, the novel itself is 1895. The author, Kenneth Mackay, uh, was actually a major general and it's actually quite a serious work. It runs for about 400 pages and uh, he is imagining what would happen if uh, the English uh, left Australia defenceless, at which point apparently the Mongol hordes would invade us under the direction of the Russians. <laughs> so uh, it's an epic, shaggy novel. I think of it as a mix between Gone with the Wind and Bez Luhrmann's Australia. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's full of sequences. There's a love triangle in the middle of it. There's horse racing. There's naval battles. There's 30,000 Mongol soldiers. And so how are you putting that all on one stage? Well, the uh, moment where it all crystallized for us when it was when we realized that we were going to do it with just two actors, mm-hmm. two beautiful Asian-Australian actors, the wonderful Keith Brockett and John Mark DeSingano, and that they would play everyone and everything, <laughs> male, female, French, Russian, English, Australian, and everything in between. So I guess we had a lot of fun in the rehearsal room trying to create this mini epic of cramming all these sequences in, uh, into a very small space. What else happened? Uh, uh, my collaborator, the wonderful Jane Miller, who's a Melbourne playwright, came on board to do to finish off the adaptation for us. The book is quite long, uh, very involved, and uh, she, she did us the honour of helping to trim it down. And finally, last year, we brought on the wonderful Andrea McKinnon as a narrator. We kind of realised that nobody could actually follow the plot unless someone was telling them exactly what was happened, and Andrea does a brilliant job of it. So I suppose it's our response to a 19th century mindset whereby mm. there's an obsession with boats and brown people. <laughs> and uh, in light of that, we felt compelled to bring it back and to create the show. I was just going to ask, having only two actors, how did that affect how you did things like conflict or romance whilst directing? Did that change? Like, did 
the way that the actors worked together changed how you were how you portrayed the story? Uh, I think it really added to the fun. In a way, I think that's what the audience wants to see. How do you do this? And、uh, the boys are very good、uh, because we do have scenes where they, they are playing about six characters simultaneously within the one scene. So、uh, it's been quite a technical process, I suppose. We've got nearly sixty odd scenes crammed into seventy five minutes of stage time, and we've gone through each scene really, really carefully. <laughs> the boys virtually never leave the stage. It's actually a really physical. Piece for them,、uh, and also、uh, a lot of precision work.、Uh, being comedy, you've got to be really、mm. precise in what you do. So it is a comedy. So you've taken this four hundred page epic, essentially science fiction novel、um, yes. of an alternate history, and you've have made it into a comedy.、Uh, yes,、uh, kind of by default. We、uh, we've ended up being a comedy if only because we take the book at its word. Okay,、We're, you know the the book itself is a reflection of a particular mindset,、mm. and a mindset that I fear is actually coming back into currency in Australia again,、mm. which was. Once again, one of the reasons why we w- really wanted to do this show,、uh, but we we're also respectful of it. It's come out of a particular time and place, so、uh, we don't actually say a nasty word about the book in the entire show. We're, we're really nice to it.、Uh, we treat it as this great forgotten Australian epic that explains everything you always wanted to know about our national character. Oh, that sounds really cool. <laughs> it is. Considering there are so many characters, did the did your actors have to go through any sort of like accent training before they were able to do all those characters?、Uh, not formal accent training. I can promise you an array of、uh, exciting accents. <laughs>、uh, I guess、um, given the the.、Um, Broadness of some of the characterisation. We weren't necessarily going for accurate accents, just accents which convey the、mm. feel of the character. So、uh, no formal accent training apart from what they've already got under their belt, because、uh, all the actors are—they're professionals. They're formally trained actors and not afraid to use it. You're listening to Art Smitten with Jonathan and Ben, and we are joined by Beng Oh, the director of The Yellow Wave. Thank you for being here, by the way. It's my pleasure. So, tell us a bit about your directing history.、Uh, I'm an escapee from the Victorian College of the Arts. <laughs> I did postgraduate directing there back in the '90s, and I guess after that, I've done a whole heap of independent theatre. I've、uh, worked with Ridstitch, lots of La Mama shows, produced my own work. I Participated in the Lincoln Center Theatre Directors Lab in New York back in 2012. That was a lot of fun,、uh, and strangely enough, we were looking at comedy then. And my current position, if you like, is my collaboration with playwright Jane Miller. We found over the last three to four years, we are doing a lot of each other's work. So we finally formalised the collaboration. We call ourselves 15 Minutes from Anywhere, and、uh, that's sort of been the focus for the last couple of years now. So uh, uh, Jane's been busy writing new work, and we are pushing that through. And she also did, did the adaptation of the Yellow Wave. So, so, fif- so, was this your first production for Fifteen Minutes? Ah,、uh, no.、Uh, the first one probably goes back to about three or four years ago. This is about our fifth production together now. Oh, excellent! 
And what uh, do you have? Uh, what are your plans for the future? Uh, Jane's written three scenes so far out of a brand new work. Uh, we've done a reading of them. It's looking really good. So uh, stay tuned. I've uh, asked her to finish the script in May. We'll see how we go. <laughs> but in the meantime, touring the Yellow Wave is very much on our minds. Sure. Uh, it's a very portable show. We put it together with uh, three actors, and uh, you supply the bench, and we'll be there. And so it's uh, our mission right now is to get it out there. We are trying to get it out to regional Victoria, interstate, and uh, fingers crossed, applying to take it overseas as well. So, just want to—I want to just jump back to the Yellow Wave because when I see the picture that you used to describe it, it's just—it's it, so intriguing, and it brings me to think of costume because when I look at the picture, it's—it's it's two men standing there in Pikachu onesies, which is absolutely amazing. But you said there's considering there's so many scenes over the whole production. Do you have many costume changes in the show? Uh, no, because the changes are really, really sharp, like literally turn on a dime and a different character. We've gone without props and we've gone without costume changes. And uh, while the Pikachu outfits are really, really cute, and we did try rehearsing with them, uh, we decided not to actually have the show in Pikachu <laughs> outfits. It makes a great uh, photograph, though. Uh, our lovely designer, Emily Collett, has come up with uh, effectively period costumes hmm. from the 19th century just to sort of uh, remind us when the story is set and yes and even though the uh, boys play women as well uh, they don't actually have time to get into skirts or anything like that we rely on the audience's imagination <laughs> fair enough did you find that the period costume or did they did you get them made specifically for the performance and did they have anything in the performance like are they used as a prop or is it just something that you are able to source? Uh, no, Emily, our designers, uh, got a really, really good eye. And uh, for this production, the costumes have been specifically made and sourced for the show. And we've had uh, double sets made for the boys because they sweat a lot. <laughs> but that's something else altogether. Because it's, it's 70 minutes. That's That's pretty... In, intense like to, is there an intermission no there isn't no it's completely fast paced incredibly uh, intense so fast that uh, the gentlemen don't even have water with them um, wow. when they're not on stage because there's no time to drink <laughs> That sounds like it's pretty intense. Yes, uh, I think about a week before we opened on this remount season, we did a full run and both actors were lying on their backs on the floor uh, <laughs> at the end of it. So, uh, But they're show fit now, I'm really proud to say. That's really great to hear. Anyway, I wanted to go into our exquisite corpse contri contribution. What that basically is, is it's one line or a, a sentence or two that you want to put in about this story. And our first line is it vanished into thin air before materialising in South Africa. It materialised in South Africa? Yep, before materialising in South Africa. Deep underwater, where it lay unseen for a goodly while until it surfaced one fine day. Excellent. Thank you. So that's going to be read out to the next guest that we have on, and they'll mm -hmm. continue the story. And then at the end of the season, we will read out the entire story that's been concocted by all of the guests. Anyway, thank you so much for being uh, on Art Smitten this week. And for anyone who want, is interested in seeing The Yellow Wave, it's from the 26th of April to the 8th of May at The Butterfly Club, and you can get uh, bookings from thebutterflyclub.com. Do you have any finishing statements you'd like to say? Uh, oh, a closing statement. I like that. <laughs> uh, look, I suppose uh, as a you know, uh, this 
play resonates has become relevant again in a sad way but really what's behind all this business with boat arrivals is fear and there's no better way to fight fear than with comedy so come along to the butterfly club and have a laugh excellent thank you very much bang hopefully you'll get to see the yellow wave you're listening to art smitten on sin nation